I try really hard to remember not to underestimate what kids can do because they they bring their own um, experiences to everything that they do. And, I mean, sixth graders with a cardboard box, you'd be amazed some of the things they can do. Welcome to the Teaching Flashpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Holwick. Of course, on this podcast, we explore those moments of transformation in teaching. And I have been thinking for years now that the one thing in education uh, we can really do without is, is competition. Um, I'll explain that a little bit. Right? There's teachers competing against one another uh, to fill their coveted programs, right? Teachers comparing themselves to one another on the popularity of a class or whether they're better than another in instruction and design. And that's just all irrelevant noise from my perspective. So, uh, but this also means that there's another side of this, right? When we uh, get to celebrate one another's ideas and support each other, that's what it's really all about. And that happened this summer. I was in a grad class involving a, an exhibition of our work at the end of the course as you typically do, and I shared some curriculum design and 21st century skill uh, curriculum I was working on and I was embedding professionally and including this podcast and the blog that goes with it. Uh, but then I heard uh, another teacher speak, a middle school art teacher from a nearby school district. And so uh, I'm hearing some of what she was doing in her classroom with her art students and that inspired a blog and an entry I wrote, and wouldn't you know it, uh, here we are. So I got a chance to sit down with uh, middle school arts teacher, Allison Myers. Allison, thank you so much for joining us and dropping in to just talk a little bit about teaching in art. Say hi to the people. Hi, people. I love teaching art. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Danny. Um, absolutely. I, we were uh, in a summer class together, and you started exhibiting some things, and it just sort of blew me away. Uh, man, this is middle school art that she's talking about. Oh, I appreciate and that. I'd love to see those kids in that class, but I'd love to have my own kids in that class or what have you. So I guess we just got to get to know you. So who are you? How long have you been at it? Um, just yeah, give us a breakdown for that. So I've been teaching art for 16 years. This is my 16th year. I've been at the same school for all 16 years. And uh, my teachings changed and evolved over that time, I think, as it should. Uh, right now, I do what's called TAB, which is Teaching for Artistic Behavior. And it's a nationally recognized approach to art education where students are in charge of their learning. And it's all about student ownership self-direction, creativity, and teaching for artistic behavior, teaching students to think and behave And that's been a transformation like for you from what it is that you've been doing. So I sort of shifted my philosophy and from a more traditional model into a tab model about five years ago. What I've been trying to do for that amount of time is open the studio in a way that students can really come in and behave like artists within structures that will allow them to find ways to direct themselves. 
I mean, you can't expect 12 year olds to just come in and, and do whatever they want without any kind of <laughs> Why not, guidelines. Well, <laughs> all kinds of reasons, but so there's a lot of structures in place and I feel like actually there's more structure now. I just am a little bit more hands off in terms of that structure and it's structures that they get to engage with and follow in order to be successful. So that might be a, like a good little flashback nostalgic moment what was teaching like for you then before all of this what was it traditional I don't, i'm not even sure what that means in a middle school class so a traditional art education model is right i get to decide what projects students are going to do or what topics students are going to study and and then work to present that in ways that are interesting and engaging to them what i do now is structure the environment so that students can come in and find something that's interesting to them so was it that was the tab model then that the turning point to that? Or was there something before that made you then sort of gravitate towards that model for the, these kids? So I actually had the opportunity to supervise student teachers in the field through the University of Northern Colorado. And while I was supervising student teachers, I had the opportunity to visit some tab classrooms or choice-based art education classrooms. And I saw what was happening. I saw how the teachers were working. I saw how the students were working. I saw what the students were working on, how the environment was set up. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. And the more I visited those classrooms, the more inspired I became to think about what that looked like in my class. Paint this picture for us, right? These kids come in. What does that look like in the classroom then? So these kids come in to my classroom and they set a goal for themselves. They take a moment right at the beginning of class to choose a studio habit of mind or a way of thinking about their behavior in the visual arts classroom. Envision, express, engage and persist, observe, reflect, all of these types of behaviors. So they come in, they set a goal with one of those studio habits in mind, and then they say what actual action they're going to take in order to do that. Uh, for example, I had a student today, today I will envision what my clay project is going to look like, right? So he's taking that step of visualizing what he's going to do with clay and how, how he's going to do it and setting that goal. This is what's going to guide my time in class. What does it mean to educate kids in art nowadays? What's, what's that mean in your head? If you'll share my visualization with me, I visualize my content area like this dynamic sphere with all of these access points and kids just need to find a way in. Some kids will find a way in and they'll just kind of stay there in that point or they'll shoot off to a couple other points and, and find a way to participate, find a way to engage. And other kids will just go through and around and ping all over the sphere in their own way. Yeah, what kind of mediums are we talking about that you get these kids to get so dirty with? Tap classrooms have a lot of different studio centers available. In my classroom, I do painting with watercolor and acrylic, um, as well as watercolor pencils, um, water-soluble oil pastels. There's some other kind of crossover media there. Uh, drawing, any variety of drawing materials. Uh, sculpture, which is primarily recycled sculpture. There's also the opportunity for some paper mache and other types of things. I do clay. Pottery wheels are off limits right now, but we're doing a lot of hand building. I'm working with individual clay kits and some of the clay work that I've seen is incredible. Do they all touch in each one of these areas or do they kind of gravitate towards something that really they're all about? You know, not necessarily. Some kids will work with clay and hang out with clay and be there and <laughs> just do it and, and really rock the clay. And then other kids will You need that t-shirt. Focus we on really drawing. rock the clay. It's right. I do. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and some kids will stick with painting 
and drawing and two-dimensional media. Some kids will go all over and do all kinds of things. What are you noticing out of kids, I guess, from where they were at, like the growth? I'm just trying to think of their prowess or how they're seeing art differently, how new technologies have come on, right? And Digital art is a brand new thing for them and for me. Um, and maybe it's not brand new. Maybe it's just for me because it's not my strength. And so when I see kids working with Pixelr and Klecky is a new program that's working on the Chromebooks. And so there's all of these things that they can do with the devices that they have. You've got to be curating all of this, right? You've got to be collecting all of these samples. I am collecting so much. I have over 200 photographs in five weeks of school. Yeah. Just... Uh, final pieces. Kid, things that kids want to turn in, not even the things that they've created that they're that they're kind of pushing to the side that I think are wonderful, but they're maybe they had a particular challenge or it's not their do they get to exhibit work. or showcase um, anything at all? Typically, uh, we have a super hallway display going all year long, and that's I'm able to maintain that. We're kind of just getting that going now. In five weeks, I'm getting the two dimensional artwork up. I've been taking photographs like crazy uh, because I can't really store all of the 3D artwork within the structures that I'm working in right now. Certain institutions that still want to accept those physical displays. So I have a library display scheduled in Evans coming up in November and December. The Youth Art Month show in Greeley is really a huge deal. And I think it's important for kids to, right, it's just that on authenticity with whatever it is that we do or get them to right. create and produce, right? right? If we think about this transformation in education and we think about launching products, right? And launching projects and, and having kids work intently on something for sometimes hours on end, do they end up getting to exhibit that to talk about it? You already mentioned that they certainly get to reflect on it, but through other eyes get to see. I think that's right. important for kids. Well, and the, the participation in the process is what I'm trying to emphasize. And so as long as they get to participate in that process, the final artwork is just a bonus. It's a result. It's a documentation of all the steps that they went through. And so other eyes getting to see that is also a bonus. So when I mention the traditional model of art teaching where I'm deciding what project they're going to work on and what skills they're going to learn and how they're going to do it and making all of these choices, I've shifted now into letting students make those choices and I support them and I give them individual instruction and demonstrations and I, I work really closely helping them figure out what processes they might need to go through in order to feel successful, in order to find a way into that nexus that's, that's visual art, right? So... With all of that, the struggle has just been accepting the choices that they make. I'm an adult artist and I have an adult aesthetic. Other adults look at kid art and say, okay, I don't get it. But that student, that child has their own aesthetic. They come with their own interests, their own passions, their own talents. If you're interested in sports logos, Okay, what is it that you're really working on when you do an artwork of a sports logo? Are you working on observation? Are you working on branding? Is that something that you want to branch into, your own personal branding, right? And so looking at where student artists are and accepting where they are, meeting them where they are, and helping them not develop an adult aesthetic, but helping them develop their own aesthetic and understand how how that functions within the visual culture that we're all part of. 
do the kids ever get overwhelmed with the choice? Like, so I know some kids, they, you know, you ask them, like, you're free to choose. Yeah. You, you find your own path, you find your own avenue. And that becomes a skill you Absolutely. end up having to teach them. Absolutely. It's a skill to, to find that point that, that brings you in. Because when you say to a sixth grader, here's all these choices, sometimes they don't really know what all of those choices actually are. And so guiding them through here's some things that you can do here. Here's some things that you can do with drawing. Here's some things you can do with fiber arts. I guess as we wind up here, I'm just thinking about other art teachers out there, other elective teachers out there. Is there a suggestion that you have for them, a bit of advice, just a little bit of insight, something that you would definitely want the people to know about art, middle school electives? Uh, I feel pretty strongly that uh, you know, it's interesting how electives are kind of like on the outskirts. Art and music and other electives are why we do some of the other things that we do in education. And I think it's important to remember that we're giving kids a reason to learn how to write and to learn how to read and to learn how to see the world. Why? Well, so they can create the world, so we can co-create our world. Allison's exhibition got me thinking about how different and difficult it must be for elective classes like art and music, consumer family, even physical education, right? How, how strange it must be to transform that type of curriculum to this new shift in education. We think about readying students with 21st century skills and you know real world skills centering on communication, collaboration, that creative thinking and critical problem solving. And I'm guilty of thinking about this in terms of only English or science or even math. But my colleagues in these electives have to be flexible. They master their own creativity and their own critical problem solving in order to continue encouraging their students and these passions that they've chosen to explore. I mean, just to recap, right? She talked about having these kids self-direct, having these kids take ownership, that student ownership, um, the creativity and that thinking and behaving like an artist. I wouldn't even know where to begin and I've been at it for 18 plus years. So here's my hat tip in celebrating those elective teachers out there who keep an open mind, who don't shy away from making a shift to honor their craft and still highlight those essential skills kids need in the real world, who don't let the shift in education make them obsolete. They simply continue asking the question, what does teaching my discipline look like in today's educational landscape? Hey, thanks so much for joining me on another episode of the Teaching Flashpoint. Special thanks to my guest and fellow educators, Allison Myers, all those elective teachers in art, choir, physical education, or reimagining the classroom and continuing to stoke those gateway passions for kids. As always, if you like the podcast, be sure to share it and continue to find us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, any place you end up streaming your audio. And as always, stealing from Matt Damon in Ocean's 13. I'll see you when I see you. Teaching Flashpoint is produced courtesy of the Peak Studio, a space designed for education staff and students by Avery Huron, Lindsay Spence, Jillian Cherry, and Tatum Gibson. Oh Boy provides the music for our podcast. 
The Peak Studio is located at Loveland High School in beautiful Northern Colorado.